We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go. Welcome back, Serial Killers. Today, we go to the other side of the rainbow to a magical 80s wonderland called Rainbowland and its savior and protector, Rainbow Bright. This iconic toy line took the world by storm and spread its love and light for generations. And while it's had four attempted revivals, nothing can blot out the light of the original. So join me as we go behind the girl who brings a shining light to every face on this deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. Rainbow Bright was introduced in 1984 by greeting card mega brand Hallmark, who is also behind creations like Strawberry Shortcake and Care Bears. The same year, it would be making its television debut in three two-part specials with a show produced by Deke Enterprises and Japanese animation brand TMS Entertainment. The story follows a young girl named Wisp, who is brought to Rainbow Land to save it from the evils of the shadows. It's much like My Little Pony's pilot in that it's very dark and violent with giant scary monsters and almost certain doom for our lead. But Wisp, with the help of a tiny creature named Twink and a giant white horse named Starlight, are all sent to find a sacred orb of light and a magical belt that will help bring back the light. They journey and find a baby, which is in the form of an orb. Uh, She also is able to release the residents of Rainbowland called the Color Kids and defeat the King of Shadows and his bumbling stooges, Murky and Lurky. The remaining episodes follow Murky and Lurky, trying to defeat Rainbow Bright and swallow the lands in darkness again. The color kids each represent a different color of the rainbow in a castle, and they have a large color console that sends their colors to the far reaches of the universe. And in 1985, the feature film Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealers released by Warner Media, and after an additional eight episodes of the series are released. Along with the color kids, we meet Stormy, who lives in the clouds and is responsible for the seasons changing, Moonglow, who is responsible for the change from day to night, and the beautiful stars across the sky. All in all, 13 episodes are made and released, and they are syndicated every Monday through Friday by Deke till 1987 when the show is replaced by Lady Lovelylocks and the Pixel Tales. Much like Strawberry Shortcake, Care Bears, and My Little Pony, toys are the name of the game, and the yarn-haired dolls with plastic faces and cloth bodies now clog up yard sales and boxes in attics across the world, along with clothing, costumes, luggage, play furniture, books, and cosmetic sets. Everyone had their favorite color kid and wanted that puffy blue dress. No? Was that just me? Uh, There are several straight-to-VHS specials of costume mascot characters and adventures in the real world were released, but this is all that exists of that initial run. Four revivals would attempt changing the story and cast of characters, but they could never land like the original. So what makes this candy-colored dream world so memorable and imprinted on all kids who were babysat by the television in the mid-80s? Well, I guess you'll have to come back, and we'll find out right after this. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Sunny Bear Homestead. A new year means a new commitment to a focus on health, wellness, and self-care. And no one does self-care better than Sunny Bear Homestead, a queer-owned business nestled near the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. Sunny Bear offers carefully crafted tea blends made from award-winning recipes, sensuous soaps, scrubs, and they work with local artists to bring you local honey, maple syrup, and decadent smoked coffee that will take your brunch game to the next level. Now, I don't advertise for anything that I don't personally love, and I have to tell you that their oatmeal, milk, and honey signature soaps and scents are my absolute favorite. They're crisp and clean and simple. And their massive menu of teas are perfect for every occasion year around. Now, Sunny Bear Homestead ships all over the US, Canada, and Mexico. And it's more important now than ever to support small local business. You can find their wide assortment of incredible offerings at Homemade Sunny Bear. Now, that's S U N N Y B E A R.com. So, Homemade Sunny Bear.com. And just for our Dreamer Productions listeners, you can use code DREAMER, that's D-R-E-A-M-E-R, all uppercase letters, at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, use code DREAMER at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks again to Sunny Bear Homestead for sponsoring this episode. Now on with the show. Have you ever seen something in a theater that you just couldn't explain? Or have you ever thought about if dying really ain't that bad? And do you spend sleepless nights wondering exactly what happened to Natalie Wood that night on the boat? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then it's time for you to exit stage death. Exit Stage Death is the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows. Releasing bi-weekly on Tuesday starting May 24th. So if you want to find out which Broadway house is the most haunted. Talk about what killed our favorite Broadway flops. And learn about the murderous path of Mama Rose that took Gypsy Rose Lee to stardom. It's time for Places, actors. Thank Thank you, you Places. It's time to exit stage death. And welcome back. So I think I was born at this kind of like perfect point in time where I caught everything in syndication that was from the early and mid 80s. But then I was old enough to really appreciate everything that came out in the 90s. And Rainbow Bright is one of those things. Now, I was... Uh, raised by a babysitter until I was five because both my parents worked, um, which pretty much meant I got put in front of a television. And those are the times I remember and are so vividly coded upon me. But because of that, I also kind of always remember Rainbow Bright being on. And I actually really remember a lot of these episodes, which is, you know, unusual for like three, four, five-year-old brain. Um, so when doing research for this episode, it's really funny that I then found out that like, oh, fuck, there are only 13 episodes episodes of this show that was on for like two years and then syndicated for another two years. And so I was like, no wonder everybody kind of remembers the same episodes of Rainbow Bright. But why do we remember Rainbow Bright? What was so important about it at the time? Because it was wonderful because again I think a lot of the kids that were from this time also ended up liking a lot of 90s anime because they all looked so similar because like My Little Pony and this and Gem and uh, Silverhawks a lot of these things that were all out at this time Thundercats Voltron well Voltron was Japanese but um were animated by Japanese and Korean television studios so they had that kind of anime look 
uh which you know this is kind of the best parts of that so like they didn't really scrimp on the animation but it looked really beautiful and then in this kind of show it had to be beautiful so i think for me that's one of the first reasons to revisit the show is the show just looks really pretty it's really fun um it is really unusual when you kind of break it down because rainbow wisp who is rainbow bright that's her code name i guess um her name is claimed from her. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, she is this little girl. And, you know, we all think, oh, yeah, she's a little kid. No, no, no. Literally in the ethos, she's like four or five years old. She is but a wee toddler. It's the same age as the color kids. Um, goes to this world. And, you know, they were very smart. They created one color kid for each color. It made a ton of sense. And in many of the ways that 80s cartoons did at the time, 90s cartoons did, they made that kind of multi-ethnic crew or gang a thing, but it was also like every kid that was watching at home had a color kid that looked like them. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. So the color kids are really, it's like this design. The animation is why I revisit this. Like I really enjoy, I just think it looks great. It's really fun. The character designs are so fun and whimsical. Uh, this is one of the, earliest references of a magical girl series we had a little bit in the 80s but truly rainbow bright is the first magical girl anime and i will die on this hill <laughs> like the first that really made like huge western imprints we'd have sailor moon like a decade later uh just under a decade but like she's a little girl she has magic it is anime because it is by a japanese animation studio uh and it's just really fun and they do a really nice job of making rainbow uh rainbow land bright and vivid we see our world we see our world our dimension over the rainbow through the eyes of a little boy named brian i mean little boy he's like eight or nine probably who is befriended by rainbow bright in the first episode because he accidentally gets doused in a rainbow uh you know also i see why so many queer people like rainbow bright and why so many 80s kids turned out queer because it's hard not to with this show uh so brian goes to rainbow land to get the color taken off of him and murky and lurky are just uh um the stooges of the like king of darkness from the pilot and uh they are always bumbling and trying to like bring rainbow land into darkness and so the 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 pits of the pits of despair where they are are dark and brooding but the rest of rainbow land is really bright and she's got a sassy gay horse named starlight who's the grandest horse in all the universe and he's british and i love him uh but then you also have the like edgy bad girl in stormy who's uh, responsible for bringing in the storms and and then you've got moon glow who's responsible for turning day to night and then you've got tickled pink who shows up one point who's literally just like the heart of love and things and it's all really sweet it's really fun and it's you know 21 minute episodes and they're just really short and fun um the design it's just incredible and the stories honestly they're not super contrived as far as a lot of kids shows because this is Push towards girl, like younger audiences. I was going to say girls, but I'm going to argue that it doesn't actually. But the plot's pretty simple, but they're also not contrived. There's also always something they're trying to accomplish. One of my favorites is when Murky's mom comes to visit and he's just trying to make her proud. But then she was like, how dare you attack this little girl? She's so wonderful. Just make friends with Rainbow Bright. This is the worst. And so it's... Uh, um, it's it's so funny and the scripts are really fun. Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer, the movie, which kind of takes place in the middle. Uh, we go to the Diamond Planet, which is off world. We go to the universe and there's this 
bitchy drag queen of a princess who just wants the the diamonds. She wants the prettiest diamonds in the world. She just wants everything shiny. Which once I saw drag queens and like new drag queens, I went, "Damn, has everybody seen this movie?" Um, and so they did it on such a big scale, but they always continued the scale of what the TV show did in the movie as well. And it was a full cinematic release through Warner. Um, and so they really just always made the plots really fun. They were simple, but like they always gave us a thing. Like it, it was also about like just being a good person on all these things that weren't speaking down to your audiences, which I think is something that a lot of like kids shows today don't do, um, which is worry about the like tone of what they're doing. So I, I just really like it for the, the plots. And again, it's 13 episodes in a movie. It's super simple. It's super easy to watch though. I do not think they're streaming anywhere. I bought the DVDs during COVID from Hallmark because they were on clearance and I got, they re-released the original toys so like the starlight plush and the rainbow bright dolls were fun they weren't dolls in the way they were all like rag dolls so they all the like puffy cloth bodies with plastic faces and like yarn hair and they were so interesting but it was obvious that there was a specific age group that this went towards but i think it really surpassed that because brian was a little older now it is a little weird when you think that like this little boy who ended up with a key to rainbow land that opened his closet to rainbow land yeah, go ahead, take that in. Um, it actually opened any door to Rainbow Land if he needed to get there. Uh, and he he had this magical little rainbow girl. And she also, I mean, she had a puppy and a cat. And so, like, the plots are really fun. They're really simple. This is great background where, like, My Little Pony, Case and I talked about, was, like, really contrived in many ways and silly. And they really pulled the plot out for too long. A lot of the, the early Rainbow Bright episodes are two parts. Um, but they are simplistic but like straightforward and really great um and then lastly the toys were so great they are they are kind of the opposite of the refinement that was the gem dolls but these were just i was so jealous of of uh the female friends that i had when i got older who still had their rainbow bright dolls i love them it's really funny that um the sprites is what they're called. They're these little furry people and each color kid has a big group of them and they, they mine their color crystals and all these things, which is super cute. Um, but rainbow brights, his name is twink, which I think is so strange and funny. Um, but I do think it's an opportunity they've missed out for making new merchandise, like the adult theme merchandise, like make the color belt. There's always a rainbow bright costume at the party stores every year. It's not great, but it is like, it is very 80s. So it's like super structured and everything. So they made it like super puffy. It's like a puff jacket. Um, but like, I always really wanted like the little satchel of color crystals, um, which are little stars, which are in the different colors and she needed to put them all into the belt and that's where the power came from um because they mined them and all these things it's it's so fun and silly and strange and unusual but yeah this episode's very simple i just think rainbow bright ends up getting forgotten a lot among among the the roses and thorns of mid 80s entertainment and the last thing i think that was really important about this show was that it wasn't pushed towards gender specific because of course it's dolls it's a little girl protagonist so you think it's like being pushed to little girls but like brian was like a secondary lead we got chris in the movie who's a space boy with a mechanical horse everybody had a horse in this tickle pink has a horse uh sunbeam stormy's got a horse moon uh um 
Moonglow has a horse. Rainbow Bright has a horse. This is the ultimate horse girl fantasy, horse kid fantasy. Um, but yeah, I don't, I will argue that I don't think this show pushed specifically to one gender in the story they were trying to create because there are two boy color kids, blue and red, which I think is interesting though. I think now I think it'd be more interesting to have the boys, which is blue Butler, red Butler and um, buddy blue. Um, I would have them be like yellow and violet or yellow and indigo. I don't know. Just something more slightly quote unquote effeminate colors. I don't know. But again, that's just what I would change now. But yeah, I, I would argue that because of like you had Brian, you had Chris, you had murky and lurky. Uh, you had buddy blue, you had red Butler that like, it wasn't specifically made just for girls. I think it was definitely meant to appeal to an all ages crowd. And it was really good to have in like an afternoon middle lineup of programming because you could get people, the, the like siblings who were like interested in one thing or the other. It, it really bridged the, the path between the two. And it's really nice that it's become available because like kind of Hallmark reclaiming it. Because for years, I swear I had to get it all of the episodes uh, with from a bootlegger at New York Comic Con one year. And it was pretty good quality. It was really nice to have them. Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer has been released on and off uh, through like Target because Warner, I believe, still owns the rights to those. But what's interesting is that they've never been able to make the revivals work. There was a mid-90s revival and they made it like the color crew but made it based on like race color and not rainbow color and they made it like a good works show and then they tried to do it again in the early 2000s but couldn't make it hit and then about 10 years ago 2011 they tried to make it work with like stormy moon glow tickled pink and rainbow bright as the light leads with emily osmond voicing rainbow bright and again it just didn't work toys were released each time with them and it just Every time they've never been able to make it work. Now, the 2003 release was good because we got um, dolls re-released, like figure dolls release of the original color kids, which was fun. I had the red butler. I think he's still somewhere at the time. Um, but like... I love every time they've come out, we've gotten more merchandise. Hallmark, I believe, is still sitting on the like distribution rights to everything. But like, this is just a really fun, it's simple, it's fun to put on the backgrounds. If I have parents out there, you guys, this one's a great one for your kids. You don't have to worry about the content. It's so lovely. It's super fun. And honestly, if you're just looking for something like to like just hang back and enjoy, this is a really fun one. You can put it on in the background. Like, just enjoy. It's really silly and fun. And so... I hope you enjoy revisiting as much as I did. And you know what, friends? We'll see you next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm J.D. Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastical action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So check us out at CertainPOV.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.